Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode and edition of the Brethren Podcast. That's Brethren spelled B-R-E-A-D-R-E-N like bread because we always talking about our bread and we always getting that bread. And when I say we, I'm always honored and pleased to introduce my fellow brothers on the call, Dr. Ajamu Loving, Ph.D. of AjamuLoving.com and Loving Consulting, LLC, and Destrian Wells of DestrianWellsConsulting.com. Gentlemen, how are you all doing this fine evening? Doing great this season. Doing great, man. Thanks, excellent, man. I really appreciate you asking. Looking forward to tonight. That's a blessing in itself, as always. Um, but we'll get into the topic after we do what we normally do, and that's introduce <laughs> the uh, the drinks of choice this evening. Doctor Love will solve you. Uh, so this evening, I am uh, I- I'm uh, working with this uh, Douce uh, cognac. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> On ice with a little bit of Coke Zero because I'm watching my figure. <laughs> yeah, man. So that that that's the drink for the evening. I am really, really enjoying this. I will admit that. Yes, sir. All right, uh, DJ. What you want? I mean, it goes without asking, but go ahead. <laughs> well, I think at this point, man, everybody knows that I'm I'm a purist. I uh, tend to stick with the henny. But what I will say is I can tip my hat this evening to Dr. Levin because the do say is a very close second to the hint. Okay. And uh, okay. it does you well. But I will tell you this. It does you well. So you need to make sure. <laughs> the, the, the impact of intention. The impact of intention is real as it relates to You intend to, to be well. Both doing um, you and doing you well. I love right. it. Yes, right. Well, due to a recent small celebration, I won't say small celebration, but my <laughs> wife, uh, my wife received her tenure. She's a teacher, so we had a small celebration. Oh, I polished off the wood for reserve, and I went to my oh. local watering hole, and I purchased a bottle of Johnny Walker Black Label, so that is oh. this evening. With three oh, ice cubes, you, you champ and Johnny Walker. Mm-hmm. Well, here today. So, gentlemen, yes. to the do say the henny and the black label, and I won't uh, mention the fact that uh, DJ almost strayed away from the path. I won't, you know, indulge the yeah. listeners with where he almost went with it. But it was a far cry from what he's used to. But cheers to a wonderful conversation, knowledge yeah. being dropped, and bread yeah. being made. Absolutely. For sure, Jeez. man. All right, gentlemen. So. I hit you all up in the in the in the, the group text earlier, and I explained to you all. Well, I recently explained to you all that you know I, I listened to a sermon this morning, and um, a message, a, a note that I took away from the sermon was turning opposition to opportunity. So that's what we decided would be the topic this evening, and we'll try to tie it into the previous uh, episodes. But as you know, anybody who's listened to all of the episodes, and by the way, thank you all for all of your feedback. Um, and be sure you're following us on our social media at Brethren Pod on Instagram. That's B-R-E-A-D-R-E-N-P-O-D. Um, but the the first five episodes, in, in a sense, we've laid this foundational uh, framework of, you know, just bettering yourself, defining yourself, uh, defining your intentions, your branding, being on point, and things of that nature to, you know, progress onward and upward in personal relationships, corporate relationships, and things of that nature. Uh, but... Tonight we're we're, we're kind of going to top uh, tackle a an occurrence that happens to everybody, no matter who you are. 
big or small, it happens, you run into opposition. But the difference is a lot of people run into opposition and it's a brick wall for them. They hit it and that's it. Like it takes them down and they can't go on. So what we're going to really tackle tonight, and Dr. Levin, I'm going to throw it to you first, is the ability to turn opposition into an opportunity. And it's not easy. We all know it. And, you know, we'll get personal with it either here or in the after show. Be sure to stay tuned. But, you know, Dr. Levin, I'm going to throw it to you. Just, you know, open us up with this topic because you had a very poetic way of explaining um, yeah. what, what the topic actually, you know, the prompt did for you. So go ahead. Yeah, so when I think about turning opposition into opportunity, I think about, okay, well, it's 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 ubiquitous. It is everywhere, right? And opposers, we all have them. They shape you in some kind of way, right? Whatever it is that you have as your overall mission, there is somebody, potentially, that is waiting to work against you to um to say no you say a i say b and even though you might be 100% in your a they going to push the b why just because you pushed a right because they feel the need to force against something else even if that something else is positive just to just to be doing in some cases something okay and so um when i when i talk about why it's important and um in some cases positive to have opposers it's about um the fact that opposers they strengthen you and help you define your own story right at the end of the day these people are the ones that make whatever it is that you've gone through epic okay the story of cinderella is not epic without the stepsisters, right? And without the individuals that are making it difficult for her to to meet the person she's with. Every single opportunity um, in, in any sort of story that's out there is always met with some form of opposition. And the the triumph, the thing that makes everything worth it and makes everything exciting is all based on the fact that there is someone that has opposed it and then you have somehow, by virtue of all the good things that you have done, overcome that, okay? And so those things, in, in terms of the way that I think of them, they help to make you uniquely qualified for your destiny, okay? Everyone has something that feels extraordinarily special to them, something that they want to accomplish. Even if they don't know it sometimes, it just comes out at some point. Like, you know, you'll be doing your normal thing and then you'll find something that's extremely important to you, right? And and within that, within that sort of, uh, that, that paradigm of having to feel something that's important to you might not necessarily be important to anybody else. You have to figure out how to use what it is that you have to work towards what it is that you want to accomplish. And then even in that, sometimes even when you feel like there isn't a whole lot that's helping you get to where you're going, it doesn't seem like it's the strongest and biggest mandate. Somehow you find that there are people who oppose what you are trying to accomplish, even when it seems like the most, um, 
<laughs> benign and but but also helpful thing is how could you be against helping kids have free lunch? How could you be against the Special Olympics? How could you be against the positive things that we see out there? And you say, why would someone be against that? And then you have to figure out how, based on what it is that you bring to the table, you can start to make that thing that somehow that you can, you know, look at as as an inconceivable thing that people could be against. How you can sell that and make people grab onto it and understand that it's theirs and understand that it's, it's something that's necessary and something that's going to be beneficial for everyone and and then make it um, pop and make it happen. It's it, it, it's all around us. It really is. But it's 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 weird and how it happens. It's weird and how we, you know, you. There's no class. There's no class in a university setting that prepares you for this, right? But if you're going to be successful in life, you're gonna have to be able to do this. You're gonna have to be able to nurture something that other people will be comfortable stepping on, right? And you have to be the one who takes it and makes it yours and pushes it forward and finds the people who can be the supporters who will make sure that other people won't step on it and and, and pushes it out there. And so it's uh, it, it's weird when, when I think about it sometimes. It's like, okay, well, why should you focus on these small things? But these small things sometimes are the, are the most important aspects of what's going to to bring some form of life to somebody else. It's that little thing that happens to be important to you and it will somehow reach out and touch somebody else and it's extraordinarily important to that person too and 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 it can be more impactful than the things that we might look at and say, oh, these things are the things that everybody sort of gets along with. So and you know, I'm I, I'm sure I've gone longer than I should have on this. No, 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 no. Because what you did was you gave a very broad um, roundup of, of of everything that we want to really cover. You just did it from start to finish, and now we can really dive into it. I'm gonna throw it to DJ with this point um, because, like we said, the last episode we we talked about the impact of intention, and part of that is being deliberate from start to finish, and we talked about that. Uh, but when it comes to opposition. When it comes to, uh, like myself, uh, I, I'm a, I consider myself a classically trained salesperson, which means I was taught to overcome objections. And that's, you know, specifically talking in the, in the sense of sales. But in terms of any time you're doing business with someone else, somebody is doing the selling and somebody's doing the buying. It doesn't necessarily mean money is being exchanged. If you had a job interview, you're selling yourself. So that that job will hire you in turn buying you. We ain't gonna, you know, we're not trying to talk slavery or nothing like that. But in the essence of it, you're selling yourself so that someone else buys you. Any interaction where you're doing something, you're doing business with somebody, whether money is being exchanged or not, you have to sell yourself. And in those interactions, objections come, opposition comes up. And as a classically trained salesperson, I've been taught how to overcome certain objections. And DJ, I'm gonna throw it to you based on that portion of you know, tying into the impact of intention, you're going into a situation and you know that there is opposition afoot. Knowing that, how important is knowing that, recognizing that, because we talked about 
recognizing defining phenomena, making it act in the desired manner. That's the essence of power. So talk talk to the point of knowing that opposition is going to come up. How important it is because some people don't know that opposition is coming. Some people do know, but the power of knowing what types of opposition that you possibly will face counteracting though that, that opposition before it comes and then change, changing that into opportunity. But I'm going to throw it to you based on that point, the avoidance aspect of, of, of opportunity. How can you really avoid opposition? Well, um, what I would say is really uh, instead, of a new, instead of avoiding, I would encourage most people to embrace it. And I know that may seem a little bit different than what most folks would expect, but you know, my, my advice would be to embrace it because adversity creates opportunity, right? And when we think about that in the simplest terms, it's when things are difficult, think about the most difficult times in your life, personally, professionally, or what have you. It generally creates an opportunity for someone to fill a void. The person that fills that void becomes extremely valuable to you. So if we're looking at this from a mere professional standpoint, you need to fill the void or a void. So things are difficult, things are challenging. There's a void that needs to be filled in order to resolve the matter, diffuse the situation, or calm the tensions that might be happening. So there's an opportunity there. I would also like, just like to say this, just so we level set, you know, just because someone opposes what it is you're doing, I don't want our listeners to feel like that that equates to hate, you know? So it's, Hey, are you hating on me or whatever? Is this hostile opposition or helpful opposition, so to speak? Right. So there, there, there's a, there's an opportunity and there's a benefit in there. And we may, you know, go a little bit deeper, a little bit later, but I think that's important. Now, I would move on to say the following. If you are attempting to fill a gap, you're trying to add value. Now, we think about um, the word convenience, and it can be a dirty word sometimes, but I want you to think about convenience stores. People pay more at convenience stores for things that they want than they pay anywhere else because they can get to it quickly, it's accessible, so on and so forth. So there are a number of parameters that might be in place. But if you yourself can create convenience as it relates to delineating or defining or removing opposition, then you make yourself more valuable. So your price may go up as an employee because you create convenience and you also deliver it. So though that that's you know, that's something else to think about. But you know, one thing that is key and one thing is central. You talked about the fact that, hey, you know, there could be some messages going on and someone could be communicating a message that might not be well received or what have you. What I want everyone to know is that communication is occurring either way, always. Either you're sending positive messages, you're sending negative messages, or you're sending mixed messages. At the end of the day, anything that is not defining you or that's being given in the way or the manner in which you want it to be delivered and received is not a benefit to you. 
so we talk about you know opposition and opportunity we've said this in previous episodes is that you know preparation or opportunity favors the prepared so the more prepared you are when things go astray or when things become difficult because you have a plan in place you may be be able to adjust more appropriately and adequately than others now author specifically to the point that you asked you know this is something that um i think that you do have the opportunity to get in front of in the very beginning um i would call this retention at the point of sale right so i'm going to go into a conversation with you and i'm going to talk about you know the the process of the things that are about to happen or should happen and the likely outcomes but i should be very clear on my action steps if those outcomes are not what I think they should be or what they would be so that you have a you're you're creating a space for the experience to be managed as opposed to uh, ad hoc so to speak so if things don't go the way we plan here's here's what we have in place to make sure that you're comfortable and confident that these issues are going to be resolved. The lack of planning creates more opposition. And now you're in a space where things are more hostile than helpful. So I think retention at the point of sale is key. So when you go into a, uh, a, a business dealing, a personal dealing, or whatever the context of the situation might be, what you want to do is appropriately lay out what the expectations of not only you are, but what the expectations of the party that's receiving the services are. And if things are not going to go that way, what is the plan or the expectation for communication, number one, and number two, all importantly, action? And I think that allows you to create a situation that's helpful versus hostile. And you're also increasing the level of service that you're providing to your client. So, you know, um, from a standpoint of opposition and opportunity, you know, those would be my opening remarks and happy to take the conversation in whichever direction you see fit from there. Most definitely. Thank you for that. Um, you you eloquently put how, you know, distinguishing for most people, and I think that's something I definitely want to throw to Dr. Loving and go deep into is we met, you mentioned hostile versus helpful opposition. And Dr. Levin uh, briefly alluded to, you know, a lot of people, we, and we, we, we can go deeper into it in, so, uh, in, in, in the after show, but the power of social media and, you know, a lot of people always throwing around the, the fact that if you don't have no haters, you're not doing nothing right. And we're in a competition, it seems a lot of people are in competition to have more haters than they are in that. And anytime someone gives you like the, the, the word constructive criticism almost seems like it doesn't exist anymore because no one knows how to embrace just simple opposition. Like criticism in, in essence of the word is a, a form of opposition because you can't move from step one to step two until you overcome this small piece of criticism where it's like, okay, I'm done with this presentation. Now I can present. But before you can present, 
someone looks it over and says, okay, you need to change this, this, and this. That's criticism and as, as well as opposition. But then being able to communicate and, and determine what is hostile opposition versus helpful op- opposition for, for a lot of people is going to be a, a severely internal battle or severely internal conversation with themselves to understand like, okay, is this person hating on me or is this person truly trying to help me? And Dr. Levin, that's the point I want to throw to you is what, what are some of the things that people can truly do to distinguish that? And, you know, even, like I said, it, it's, it's a, it's a very personal battle for a lot of people because it's like, there's some people out there that take everything negative as pure criticism and opposition and they're like, everybody hate. But in essence, it's like, no, we not. We really trying to help you. But I just wanted to throw that point to you and you can take it from there. I'll be honest, like the um, the criticism that I've seen in my life has been some of the most formative um, feedback that I've gotten. You know, uh, there is, as you said before, this whole deal of, oh, when someone comes against you, it's them against you, and they're not trying to, they're trying to keep you from the destiny that God has for you. And look, a lot of times, there are people who have more experience in the realm that you are working in, and they can help form the message, the God-given message, that very special thing that you have inside of you. They can help you position that in a way that's going to be uh, most successfully received by people. But you have to be in a place yourself where you're willing to receive the feedback that they are going to give you. And a lot of times, especially if you've been uh, heralded as a good speaker or people before have liked what you had to say, um, when someone tells you something negative, a lot of times it can be, it hurts you. Let's be real, man. We like to hear things. uh, We like to hear people say good things about us. And when people say bad things about us, it doesn't make us feel as good, right? But the fact is, in terms of improving ourselves, most of the time, improving ourselves is about hearing what we haven't done as well as we could have done and how we can improve that thing, right? So we got to be ready. We have to be ready to hear those things that um, suggest, hey, we can improve or we've made mistakes, or we're not as good as we could have otherwise been. Those things are extraordinarily important if we're trying to move forward, right? And so when you think about people telling you things that uh, might otherwise appear as opposition, telling you that, oh, you need to speak a certain way, you need to uh, project a certain way, you need to have certain images on a site that you haven't had, and all of these things, You can take it all as negative if you want to, right? But if that individual has the background that suggests that they know what they're talking about, then the smart thing to do is to say, all right, you know, let's not be, let's not take all of this personal. Hey, I've done these things. I did the best I could based on what I thought at the time. Let's take this expert opinion in hand and let's see if we can move forward from there. Right. And, or any level of leadership that you can think of. It's all about taking the information that you are receiving on the ground and being able to um, 
to, to, to pull that in and use it in a way that's going to make you successful going forward and leading the other people who bring their other things to the table, right? If you're going to take responsibility for other people, then you need to understand what it is that you're doing. And the process for other folks, especially when you're less familiar with what they are doing, is to bring in other experts who are familiar with what that other outside individual is doing. And you say, okay, well, how do um how do we improve what they're bringing to the table and it's all about taking in input uh constructively receiving the uh information that they're giving you and then using that information in a way that's positive and you know obviously hey there's always some negative things that aren't necessarily uh productive in any message that is given okay well if you're an effective leader you will focus on the things that are going to be um, helpful for you, and you're going to push away the things that aren't going to be helpful for you, right? But you got to recognize that there is something powerful and impactful that's coming from the people outside of individuals in your own circles. A very dangerous thing to do, to just fall in love with your own prescription for everything and start to say, oh, well, my, my, um, my ideas are, are the cure for everything. Only I have the answers for everything. When you find yourself thinking like that, you are you're headed for a position where you end up taking a big fall because the fact is you aren't taking into account all of the potentially very pertinent um, opinions of other people who are involved or who have a lot more knowledge in some cases than you have of all of these things, right? So you need to be careful about that. And so if you're going to, it, it, yes, you have to take into account the opposition that you're going to receive. But when you talk about it, turning it into opportunity, it's all about recognizing the uh, the angles that this opposition takes in terms of how it relates to what it is that you like to accomplish. And then saying, okay, how can I can incorporate these things into a winning strategy and for anybody the winning strategy is what it's all about taking the information that you've been given and using that information to craft something that can help you accomplish things that's where you want to go in life okay and so when you talk about taking opposition and taking turning it into opportunity it's about taking those pieces and bits of information and crafting a strategy that you can use to make yourself successful. And, and in some cases, successful in places where people will wonder how could someone be successful with all of these things wrong. But if you're perceptive enough and listen to the people who have real um, productive things to bring to the table and you have enough knowledge about the overall subject yourself, Man, you can do surprisingly well with surprisingly little. And so it, it really is about making sure that you are are uh, on top of those things rather than just uh, uh, being um, emotionally responsive and not, you know, paying attention to them because, oh, I don't like what they have to say. You definitely bring up a good point. That, and it's a good pass to DJ that I wanted to bring the point. Let me elaborate some more is those people who are just dead set on considering all, you know, opposition is negative when in, 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 in true form, like you said, there are people who are willing and ready to help those 
and they're just simply giving constructive criticism. But those there are those people who are dead set on everything that is in opposition to them is negative, and they miss out on their opportunity. And DJ, what I want to throw to you is a slight twist of how you know how how it how easy it is for others to accept or intercept your opportunity, not necessarily yours particularly, but the, the intercepting other people's opportunity because that person succumbed to the opposition. And that opposition doesn't necessarily have to be some hard opposition. It's like, no, it could have simply been constructive criticism that they were not willing to accept. That other person swooped in, took the constructive criticism, tweaked whatever it was that needed to be tweaked, and then took advantage of that opportunity and moved up. And we've seen this happen throughout history. We've got plenty of examples of it, and we can go deep into it in the avatar. You can give examples of it now. But I wanted you to speak to that point of, you know, just how detrimental it can be when you are so dead set on accepting opposition as all are purely hostile and never helpful. No, I, I think that's a great uh, that's a great segue. I guess the first thing I would say, man, is um, – Let's think about what being constructive is, right? So a lot of times things that are meant to be constructive are either delivered in a destructive manner or they're taken in a destructive manner. And I would offer myself up to be the first to say that many times it's not the delivery that's the issue. It's really the person that's receiving it being on the defensive. So we, we receive things in a very destructive manner because we're looking for agreement. When you're looking for improvement, you don't need someone to agree with you. And I'll give you an example. Arthur calls me and he says, hey, I think we did a great job last week in expressing this opinion or what have you. One of the things that listeners have reached out to me directly about are X, Y, and Z. I have two options at that point. I can look for you to agree that, hey, man, you know, you do a great job on this call. Or I can look to service the folks that this message is really intended for. And I can take that constructive feedback or criticism, however you want to look at it, and I can try to improve upon this. I'm, I'm definitely all ears to hear what the listeners have to say. And I think that's one of the things that we need to get better at. We need to make sure that the end goal or the bigger picture, as we talked about in a prior call, is, uh, is, is in front of us. Because oftentimes, someone is actually trying to help you, and you hurt yourself because you can't get beyond the place of agreement self-ridicule in a lot of places because it's self-inflicted. And when someone tells you what you already know or maybe what you don't want to hear, it's hard to digest. Now, self-realization is the best realization you're going to ever have. Once a person realizes for themselves that they need to improve, that's great. But sometimes you can't wait that long. And so one of the things I think that you're speaking to and you're talking about when you're in a setting where multiple people have things to lose and there's a lot on the line, whether, again, that be professionally, personally, or what have you, we have to get beyond this point where we see people as haters 
because you have haters and you also have allies. Your allies are not responsible for agreeing with you 100% of the time. Just because I disagree with you does not make me a hater. I could be one of your biggest allies, but I may also be one of your biggest critics because I know what you're capable of. I know the level at which you're able to perform, and I know how things should be when you're operating at your best. But this this requires something very specific from the person that's on the receiving end of the criticism. I, you, Dr. Loving, or our listeners, from a personal standpoint, you cannot allow someone else to have higher expectations of yourself than you do. Once you allow that to occur, criticism feels a lot different. Feedback seems a lot different. Someone else's opinion becomes you're trying to tell me what to do. We need to be very careful that in situations like that, when we find ourselves saying those things, that we've appropriately taken inventory and we've made sure that we have a very clear definition of what success looks like for ourselves. We've defined that not only for ourselves, but with the person that's evaluating us. And then that allows them to be on the same wavelength because if they don't have the proper information, they can't properly evaluate you. You know, I think that's an important factor because ultimately what happens as it relates to impacting winning strategies, the sabotage that occurs from self and the resources that might be available to help you accomplish things, it's overwhelming. That's where a lot of failure happens because you can't connect and get on one accord at the tactical or executional level the idea was great. The planning was great. Hey, we're going to go out and do these things. But as it relates to executing and being tactical, your feelings get in the way because someone has challenged you either on your level of effort, preparation, or what have you. Winning strategies don't look like that. Winning strategies leave and check ego at the door. And they allow for constructive criticism because it is the criticism from the people that you value most, at least it should be, that's going to allow you to improve. These are the people that are closest to you. They know you more intimately than anyone else, and they, they should know your idea and your plan more intimately. And because of that, they can weigh in in ways that other people can't. Now, in terms of intercepting opportunity, Everything I just said is, you know, how we should advance our efforts. But ultimately what happens with many of us all too many times is that the ego and the pride gets in the way. Who's going to get the credit? Where is the glory assigned? Ultimately, there are a, a, a number of people who could benefit from your efforts and the people that you are collaborating with. But opportunity is, is, is intercepted because, again, we've talked about this in, in previous uh, shows where that idea does not belong to you exclusively. That is simply energy that you have. When you sit on that energy, 
when someone else has that same idea and they act on it, you can't be mad. So in a lot of cases, the opportunity is intercepted because there's an impasse between two stubborn individuals who are more concerned about who's going to get recognized as opposed to the impact that this idea or opportunity could have on people, a community, places, or things. And it's unfortunate because for us in our communities, this holds true more times than not. So I hope I uh, appropriately answered the question. And no, you most, I'm, 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 you most definitely did because you, you brought up and Dr. Levin alluded to it and you elaborated on it. It's just uh, the power and the impact of ego in, in, in all of these situations. And we, we talked about it in, we, in, in previous episodes, like I said before, we, we talked about and mentioned how your enemy is, uh, is your enemy. And, you know, the ego is, is, is powerful. Because like you said, that your ego is, is essentially that thing that's going to help you determine whether the opposition is in fact helpful or being hostile. And people right. say whose egos are, you know, just so engulfed in their ego, they're going to nine times out of ten take all opposition as being hostile. So you, you definitely, you know, took it in the direction that I wanted to tell it to Dr. Lovett again. Um, mm-hmm. It's wrangling, yet, wrangling that ego. What, let's, let's, let's get into some yeah. practical steps as we often do. Let's wrangle this ego so that we can, you know, stop taking everything in a hostile manner, because you know, and 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 I could be talking to myself because I, it's not an all the time occurrence, but we all have the, those occurrences, especially when it comes from a person that we're not willing or ready to accept criticism or opposition from. Oh, and you can definitely talk to talk to that point where we know that there's that person who always unwillingly gives criticism. But in the rare occurrence where they're giving something that we need to accept, we're not ready to accept it just simply based on precedence. So, you know, I definitely want to throw that point to you, and we can start laying down some practical steps to help people turn opposition to opportunity. Yeah, let, let's face it, man. There are some people that you are not willing to hear criticism from. You just don't like them. Like, they, they, are, they are negative or... Even when you had something that was extraordinarily positive to give, they had nothing but negativity to say. These people are folks that you don't like to be around. And they, you know, yeah, you're not willing to sit up here and think, oh, well, my life is going to be better and the lives of people around me are going to be better if I listen to Jacob and I can't stand Jacob, right? That's, That's ridiculous in your mind. But the fact is, and it's a, you know, it's a crazy thing. Sometimes the people who are outside and sometimes the people who are most outside, the ones who you intentionally push away from what it is that you want to accomplish, they might be able to have something to say that could be positively impactful for you, right? Now, I'm not saying you take in everything that they talk about, because in many cases, the reason that you excommunicated them from your lives was a good one because they were negative, because they were the type of people who would make, you know, would, would say the worst things possible about anything, no matter how much positivity he could, it could bring to the table. So I'm not saying that, you know, you are 100% wrong for, for not welcoming the advice that they bring in your life. My point is that sometimes 
those individuals can bring in a certain amount of perspective that could be useful for you. Okay. And so that's the thing is to recognize that you don't, um, you don't allow yourself to get too emotional, even about um, the situations where people who have come at you in the most sharp ways or come against you in the most sharp ways. Sometimes those individuals can bring a little something to the table and you can benefit from it. And it's important. It's smart to recognize though. You know, I'm not saying it's easy. It's not necessarily easy to, to um, allow these people to um, bring any sort of influence to what it is that you're trying to do. I'm just saying that it can be smart, right? Because, especially when you have an idea that had that requires precision an idea that um uh it is about a certain group um an idea that uh requires experience to round the entire thing out you have fewer and fewer people who can give you any real sort of influence on what it is that you can do here and sometimes that person even if you don't like that person has, who has some experience with, with that group can give you something that you can use. I think it's important to recognize that you can take those things that people give you that you can use without wholesale and wholeheartedly taking in all of the other things that might be toxic about what they do and also, you know, not necessarily bringing them into the overall project it's just recognizing that they may have a little bit of information that you don't have, okay? And so it's important to, um, if you're going to um, take that in, okay, that you have your own perspective, you have your own understanding of what you're trying to do with that information, and then you can start to put together an entire strategy that's going to be um, all-inclusive in terms of the information that you bring to the table, the information that they bring to the table, and the things that, uh, they, especially that person who you, you know, don't like might not understand, and things that, that you might not want 100% understand either, you know, pull as much information as you can into the overall uh, picture. And the reason that I say that is because business decision making is becoming more and more complex right there's more data available there are entire um, collegiate programs based on data analysis and it's all about taking in all of the information that you could possibly have at hand and the only way that it makes sense to take in that data is to have some sort of worldview and some sort of strategy that you can pull that information into and take and use it to say, all right, this is going to be a strategy that we will put forth going forward. All right. And so um, the, there is an endless amount of information out there. There's an endless um, number of opinions out there. Some of those opinions are going to be um, right in line with it, with what it is that you think. Some of those opinions are going to be way offline uh, of, uh, uh, of what you think. The important thing is for you to say, okay, let me be able to properly substantiate what it is that I'm talking about and what I'm trying to accomplish, right? 
and and also make sure that I'm using the tools that are consistent with that. And, and working with the people who are trying to help me get the job done. I feel like we've gotten very abstract with this uh, with this topic to a certain extent. But at the end of the day, you know, you're going to work with people who either see things your your way or they you know, and, and are willing to work with you. And then there are other folks that won't see things your way, and in some cases are, are unwilling to work with you or will work with work against you. You gotta recognize that those people that work against you are not necessarily a signal that you know you're all wrong, as much as they are a signal that hey, you know you are in the you're in the realm of thought, and some people are gonna think differently than you think. And you need to be able to rationalize what it is that you think and put it together in an overall strategy to say this is what we what I think we ought to do. And those are the things that make you valuable as an employee, a future business owner. Though you know, the the ability to take those take those opinions and, and come up with a strategy that's going to be useful going forward. Well, yeah, you definitely, uh, you said that we were getting abstract with it, which, you know, true, because like I said in the beginning, this is a very broad topic that can cover a lot of different bases, and we can, you know, really in any direction we want to, because, you know, just in, in fact, the term opposition can mean, like we said, we, we can talk about the criticism from individuals, we can talk about just simple opposition as to not completing certain steps that have been put forward for you, but DJ, what I want to throw to you now, um, to kind of Reel it in, in, in a sense, because uh, Dr. Levin uh, mentioned it, as when people are, when when you sift through that criticism, and we all, you know, we, we come from our respective backgrounds, we, we, we know what an old school sifter looks like, that metal that metal thing with a little handle, you put the flour in it, and you grind it up, and you make sure that, that flour gets sifted so that there's no lumps. We use a flower. I don't know if y'all know what I'm talking about or not. I just oh, you know it. I know. <laughs> but yeah, many pancakes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you got to sift through that, and like you said, you can determine whether whether something is hostile or helpful. You sift through that criticism. You know what's helpful, especially when it's coming from somebody who you not who you don't necessarily want to accept criticism or opposition from. But DJ, I want you to talk to the, the to the points of being prepared for opposition. You know that it's going to come. You are prepared for it, and you know the opportunity cost of whether you are going to embrace this opportunity. I mean, embrace this opposition to get to that opportunity, or you're just simply going to just wither off to the side, like we've talked about before. These dreams deferred. Do you want to be that raisin in the sun? You know that this opposition has come. So, the, talk about the preparation for opposition. I know I mean, we 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 we've really done a great job of covering the landscape of how to you know just knowing the different types yeah. of opposition in terms of being hated on, quote unquote, pure criticism, hostile versus helpful. And, and recognizing it, but I want you to speak to the point of just prepping for it so that you, like, you know that it's coming and being prepared for it so that, in essence, this opposition is not even opposition anymore. You've tackled it. You've handled it before it actually comes. Like, as soon as it pops up, you're like, I already got you covered. No, certainly. I mean, at, at, at the core of what you're asking, this is a lesson in taking notes and understanding what your um, what your organizational culture looks like, what your um, relationship culture looks like, whatever the dynamics. So we, we can call this, uh, at the end of the day, relationship dynamics, whether that be a corporate or professional, 
but these are really relationship dynamics. So who are you dealing with, right? And, and what are the attributes of said person or, or entity? When you when you take a, a large step back, and let me say that it's a large one, find that culture and you got to, and something is wrong, no one is pointing a finger at the other person because you're not in the type of culture where your job is on the line if a mistake happens. Well, for a lot of folks, that's not the case. Their job is absolutely on the line, and people tell them that from the very beginning. And so you'll see a very different culture enacted. So when you talk about the preparation, uh, a lot of it is related relationship building because you want access to information. You want to know that a problem is coming down the pike. You want to know that we could potentially have some issues here. And those issues are going to have certain ramifications. And you need to make, you know, a certain group of people aware of them and begin to do some um, some crisis management, so to speak. Where the issue really lies is accountability. Who is ultimately accountable for the mistake? And then you also have the consequence. What is the consequence associated with said mistake? For most folks, if they can survive the issue, most most folks will stomach it and they will stand up and say, hey, I made a mistake and here's what happened. But if they think that they are going to be marginalized in some way, it is very easy to fall into a culture where someone else needs to take the blame. And if you have had a history in your organization, relationship, or dealings where those things are happening, then you quickly get into a place or a phase where we talked about that ego earlier. Ego creeps in quickly because it's self-preservation. When Everyone is looking to take care of their self. No one is looking to take care of the group. And so that's an issue. And I want to make sure I say that again. You know, so if it's a relationship, you know, this would be the wife, the husband or the boyfriend or the girlfriend and say, hey, you know, I need you to trust me to take care of you. So you tell me what's going on with you and I'm going to address those needs. I tell you what's going on with me and you're going to address those. So there's some trust that is being established that each of those parties are going to take care of each other. But ultimately what happens is if the husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, or wife, or whatever, is only focused on self, there's an agreement in place that's not being honored. The husband, wife, boyfriend, or girlfriend says what's wrong with them, they get their issue addressed. The other party says what's wrong with them, no issue is addressed. What happens in that case is I am taking care of you. You are taking care of you. There is no one to take care of me. That creates the idea. That creates the opportunity for all of the negative things that we've talked about tonight to come into play. Ego comes into play. Constructive feedback no longer exists because now you're attacking me. And there is no willingness to improve or work together to solve a problem. <clears throat> the problem exists nonetheless, but you're working against each other instead of concert. 
So, you know, Dr. Loving spoke at length a little bit earlier about, you know, how how does this come to fruition and how it looks. But in order to uh, attack this thing, you know, not to, I guess, not to be, um, I don't know, cliche, you know, as it relates to, you know, my personal brand, but there are a few things that I think you have to do. We go back to the empower, engage, execute model. Number one, empowerment. I am going to give you the proper information to make the best decision possible. And that's on both sides of the equation. So we both have access to the same information, meaning that we can evaluate and discuss these things in real time. And we're able to effectively communicate because no one party has an upper hand on the other. We can, we can trust that. So that's the empowerment. What are you willing to do now that I've empowered you with the proper information, the engagement? Are you willing to participate in the exercise of communication? Communication is the cornerstone to which these strategies and solutions are going to be built on. If you're not properly communicating, you're losing ground at every turn. So now that we both have the same information, now that we know the timeline, now that we know the table stakes, are we in a space that we can get, we can use this information and get beyond our egos and probably communicate with the broader picture of greater good in mind? And then finally, execution. This is important. We've talked about this. Uh, well, I'm sorry. We have shared information with each other. We've now talked about this. We've drafted a plan. Do we have access to the proper people to execute it? Because just because we've come up with something that sounds great and we haven't argued about it doesn't mean that we, we can properly execute. So now can we execute? So when you think about that, it's simplistic in nature, but it's very difficult to bring to fruition because it is very rare that you're going to be able to have a exchange of information in terms of, hey, here's all the things that I know, here are all the things you know, crafting a plan that both people agree on without ego being present, and then on the third aspect of things, finding the proper people outside of yourself ourselves to execute that's very difficult so we are talking about something that in layman's terms sounds very similar simple but it's very difficult to do because the moving parts pull at the various emotions that are emoted in people every day you know we are we are emotional creatures by nature and when you feel wrong, you respond in a certain way. Um, when you feel like you're not going to get the proper credit, you respond in a certain way. And when you feel left out or alienated or excluded, you respond in a certain way. I think that everything we're talking about tonight really boils down to a few things. One of the major pieces of that is is very simple. We talked uh, earlier in uh, previous episodes about 
trying to make progress. But this really goes back to progress over pride. You have to be more than willing to sacrifice for the benefit of progress relevant to pride. And if you're not, you're going to continuously find yourself in a situation where you're going to find opposition getting in the way of your opportunity. Opportunity favors the prepared. And when we say prepared, it is more than just being capable from a skill set standpoint. We talked about emotional intelligence a while ago, and that's important. You have to get out of your way from a mental standpoint to be able to capitalize on opportunities as well. And if you can't, you're going to become a casualty of war, and that war is internal. And that's not something that you're going to be able to deal with for the next 30, 40, or 50 years. So I would encourage all of our listeners to really do some self-reflection and have that realization that's most important, which is self-realization. Understand what it is you need to work on as it relates to you being the opposition to your opportunity versus someone else. Number two, how do you create more allies than haters? Or if you have haters, can you convert them into allies? And then finally, expect more from yourself than anyone else does. That alone eliminates the need to feel a particular type of way about someone's opinion because it will be nowhere near what it was you had in mind for yourself in the first place. Definitely well put, and I love the call back to episode one about the personal board of directors where you talked about the, the ability to progress, and then you like we and it keeps coming back up. And like I said, once we we give these broad topics and we we don't necessarily have a direction in mind because we want to be very open and free with our conversation, and things develop upon themselves. But there always is a common thread and a common theme that comes across, and this this the common thread in this one that is. Coming, honestly, comes back from episode one all the way up until now. It's just being deliberate with your impacts of it. You know, being intentional when you're doing things, recognizing that your enemy is is is, is the true enemy. Like, cause you, especially when we talk about in the cases of people just not willing to accept opposition. And in terms of opposition that we're talking about now, we're talking about criticism. Um, but I want to throw it to Dr. Levin so he can give his kind of his closing remarks. And DJ, I'll throw it back to you to give yours. Uh, then we'll close it out, and then we'll go into the after show um, and continue this topic like we always do. But I got some points that I want to bring up there where we can be a little bit more open and free, you know, with our words and our choice of uh, choice of uh, choice of words. Uh, but Dr. Levin, I'll throw it to you for closing remarks on the topic of turning opposition to opportunity. Yeah. So the the interesting thing is uh, when it comes to opposition, it, it's going to come at you. Um, and in all sorts of uh, in all sorts of ways, when you're trying to be productive, it it just is right, and and especially when you have what you think is a good idea <clears throat> or or something transformative, because I promise you, anytime that you can think that um, the world that you're working in would be benefited by doing something transformative. There's somebody on the other side who thinks in their mind that the world would benefit 
by us doing nothing, right? And so when you come up with that transformative thing, I can almost always promise you there's going to be someone who will rest in opposition uh, to you. And um, if, if you're the type of person who always comes up with um, things that are going to be potentially transformative, you've, you've come in contact with this on numerous occasions. So this isn't your first time dealing with it. And I think that's great. But that's the important thing is the, the cool thing about having repetition, especially with some forms of opposer, is that you start to see um, certain idiosyncrasies in the way that those opposers behave. And when you talk about the status quo type of individual, that person, their their whole deal is always about, well, what could happen if we do this? There's always the, um, you know, the un- unknown or the uncertain that they always try to play on, right? They never talk about the certainty of the negativity of the past strategies that have always led them into failure. That's not what they talk about. They always talk about, well, what is, it's just super bad things could happen if we do this new and different thing that you're talking about that's different than the other thing that we've done uh, repetitively in the past that has always led, led to, you know, different levels of failure. And so it's important for you to recognize that those things are going to come and for you to be successful, you need to have a command of the facts, okay? You need to understand um, all, all of those negative things that have happened before, but you need to have an understanding of what the likely opportunities are based on the strategies that you've put forward, which means you need to do some modeling. You need to be familiar with the um, with the um, analytical software. You need to have the, a handle on Excel so you can, ex- you can explain the numbers. See, at the end of the day, your ability to take what you know about the underlying components of what it is that you're analyzing and come up with a usable strategy is one of those things that makes you very valuable as an analytical member of a team, right? Those are the things that you need to be able to do. And so um, a lot of times when people will come at you with an opposition, you know, some of it is going to be based on data they have, but some of it is just based on a feeling that they have based on strategies that they might have participated in that may have been like yours or not even like yours, just something that they were not used to doing. And they said, well, let's just do our old thing. So you need to recognize the um the uh, analytical um, shortcomings that other people might have uh, come from, but also the emotional things that might have drawn them to the decisions that they had in the past. And you have to be one of those people that helps to get beyond those things based on your understanding of the information and this new, better way of analyzing it. And also based on your less emotional, more analytical approach to deciding what it is that we're going to do going forward. 
See, those are the things that make you special, right? Because if you know the phenomenon or the company or whatever it is that you're examining, then you can start to look at it with fresher eyes than anybody that's ever looked at it before. But you've got to understand the eyes that they've looked at it at in the past, right? And say, okay, I see where, you, I see where everybody was scared here, and I see where you think things might go in this direction. But these are the elements of this particular problem that lead me to think that this is the strategy that we need to take. And that right there requires a lot more responsibility on your part for understanding the phenomenon itself, understanding the business, understanding what it is that you need to do, understanding what it is that makes things move within that business, right? It's a, it's work, right? But if you do that work, then it's not as difficult to convince people because then they can start to see that you're um, familiar with all of the things that, uh, that will create either success or failure based on what it is that you're trying to, you're trying to work with. And that right there, that's important. That right there is what separates the people who folks will look at in the company and say, man, this individual is smart. And, uh, you know, maybe one day they'll be, uh, able to go in a certain direction as compared to those people that they say, man, this individual gets it, and we're lucky to have this individual. And let's try to listen and see how much we can gain and learn from this individual. Hopefully, they'll stick around and stay with us. And that's who you are. You know, if you're in that place where you are bringing that special spark and you understand what's going on in that company and you understand what it is that you bring to the table, right? Then you can bring that to the overall process, but you gotta, you, you gotta do that work. You gotta be willing to, to get into, into the guts of it so that you can explain precisely why it is that you're suggesting what it is that you want people to do. So that that way, when people follow you, they'll feel good about following you. And here's the other the, the other part of it. At some point, you're going to be wrong, right? There'll be a place where you thought things were going to go, and um, the the conclusion ended up being different than that. But because of all of the work that you did ahead of time to try to come to the right conclusion – and you use the right sort of methodology, hey, you can always have the wrong answer with the right methodology, but you you, you see why they, you covered your, you've covered your assets. You've put yourself in a position where people can say, hey, even though, even though he or she was wrong, they did everything in a manner that makes sense, and I feel comfortable going down the road with this individual next time because the likelihood is because of the way that they do things, they're going to end up being right. That right there is going to be something that will take you um, that take you places that you wouldn't even dream of, right? So you have to, you, you got to be comfortable 
with the forms of analysis associated with the type of business that you're doing. You have to understand all of the economic and financial levers that you're going to have to push and pull. You're going to have to understand all of the other qualitative uh, measures that get pushed and pulled that you, you know, to, to see how that might affect the overall strategy. And then you need to be able to communicate those things to the people that you're going to be, that you're working with so that they can understand this is why you're suggesting that we do the things that we do. And when you do, when you, when you bring all of those things in accord, what's going to happen is even when you're wrong, people will say, all right, well, it wasn't right this time, but the likelihood of this individual being right going forward is much higher than the other individuals that are just reading the tea leaves because you have a process that you figured out and you have a process that you're putting in place that makes sense, that's explainable, that's repeatable, that's something that people can look at and say, man, I'm comfortable with this. And so um, it's. You know, when I talk about turning uh, opponents in, into opposition, yeah, man, you're always going to have opponents. Some of them are going to be right, and you might need to change your overall strategy. Some of them are going to be wrong, and you need to fortify your strategy based on what it is that they throw at your strategy in terms of slings and arrows. But at the end of the day, both of those individuals or both of those types of opposers end up making you better if you look at it the right way, okay? Because at the end of the day, it's all about you taking those, taking that opposition that you receive, taking that information that you end up getting, taking that criticism that you end up getting and using it to make your overall product better. That, you know, if you're doing that the right way, that's what makes you special. Masterfully put, as usual, from Dr. Levin. Um, DJ, I'll throw it to you to give your closing remarks. So, um, let me just start here. Um, I agree with so much of what Dr. Levin said, and I think that sometimes it, it may seem like we're playing the home team here, but I really come on these calls wanting to disagree with him every day. Uh, but let me just say this. He is so right <laughs> about so much of this, which, you know, a, a, a person with a Ph.D. is likely to be correct about a few things once in a while. <laughs> um, but he talked about the uh, the idea that, you know, the process yielding positive results. And when you have the right process, you get some additional opportunities. He couldn't be more correct. What, what I want to let the listeners know is that the proper process, because I won't say the right process, because it's very difficult to say what's right in terms of a process because it impacts everyone differently. But the proper process, it should challenge your intellect. It should challenge your, um, your, your thought process. It should challenge your um, – it should, it should challenge your, your, your learning. It should challenge your, you know, the academia that, that you have behind you. It should challenge your experience. And then you should share those things with other people around you. And from there, you can really create a process. But the proper process 
yields more accurate returns than talent. And I think that folks really need to know that. You can be a really talented person with no process. And you're not going to achieve the same level of success that someone with a proper process and protocol will. Because those people may not be as intelligent as you, but they are pulling the proper people into the process or decision to help them make it. And I smile when I say that, and I hope people can feel it and hear it, because, again, that's that leaving that ego where it is. You have to pull people that are as smart or smarter than you into the equation to solve complex issues and problems. It's okay for you to pass the credit on to someone else. That's a leadership trait, being able to exalt others. Often what I see in situations like this, uh, Dr. Loving, is I find out who our leaders are and who our managers are. I can quickly identify that when there's a situation where some adversity happens Blame has to be taken, credit has to be taken, or there's a challenge in terms of overcoming it, but, you know, the company gets there, we've achieved this goal. You can tell a lot about a person when things are uncomfortable. Everyone's happy when profits are great. Everyone's happy when bonuses are, are, are outstanding. Go through a downsizing. Go through a layoff. Go through you know, um, two or three years of things being um, flat or down at your organization. Look at the person or the people around you and see how they respond in those types of environments. It says a lot about them because a lot of folks are only capable of performing at a high level in the very best of situations. What you want and what you want to create is a team of people who excel abundantly in great situations. But we, in, in my line of business, we call this downside protection. We want to participate on the upside, meaning, hey, you know, things are great, we're going to do well. When things are bad, that's when I really have the opportunity to show you who I am. No different than a personal relationship or what have you, when things are bad, I get the opportunity to show you who I am. If you are having the worst month ever, as a friend or um, or a colleague, if I can step in, I can supplement for that, and I can help with that, then I will, and I should. But that's my medal as a person. It has nothing to do with I'm going to benefit, but everything with understanding that I want the morale of the collective group to be up to par. Everyone doesn't do that. And over time, once you realize that I think the dynamics of corporations change and, and um, jobs change. But at the end of the day, if our listeners walk away with anything from this call, I want them to understand that they themselves pose a greater threat to their success or the opportunity that's in front of them than anyone else. 
because they and they alone control what their attitude and mindset is. In terms of a threat, that is probably the greatest threat, not thinking that you deserve the opportunity, um, not feeling like it's going to happen. You have to be positive and you have to have affirmation. The landscape and the situation can be what it may. Controlling what you can control is the name of the game. And for us, um, to, to sum it up quickly, opposition means literally nothing when you allow nothing to get in your way. So you begin with nothing and you stop for nothing. No one's giving you anything and you should stop for nothing. And, you know, those would be um, my closing remarks, author. And, you know, I really hope that the listeners tonight have, you know, tapped into what Dr. Loving has talked about, what you've discussed, and the uh, the meager comments that I've been able to offer <laughs> as well. But it's, it's, truly, it's truly important for, for folks to really understand that, you know, adversity creates opportunity. But opportunity favors the prepared. And if you're not willing to go through some adversity and you're not willing to do the preparation, when the opportunity is there and you can't capitalize on it, there's no reason to do what Dr. Loving said earlier. Don't be a hater your whole life. Don't get down on someone else who took that same energy that you had and said, now is my time to move. So, you know, I, I pause there, man. But but that's all I that's all I got in terms of that tonight. Most definitely, I like the the humbleness that you you admitted at the end, saying that your comments were meager. We'll let that slide, and we may address that in the after show because um, we got recent occurrences that I want to bring up to you all uh, in terms of opposition, and we'll talk about it. So definitely stay tuned to the after show listeners. Um, I'm gonna make my closing remarks kind of quick because. Uh, my two heavy hitters did a, a great job of knocking this out of the park. And like we mentioned in the beginning, this is a very broad topic. We did get a little abstract with it. And mostly all of our topics, uh, you know, our, I, I call them prompts now, uh, up to this point have been very broad. We, you know, kind of honed in on specific avenues when it comes to these different topics. But it always gives us, uh, you know, this opening to revisit, to, to you know, to, 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 to bring them back into conversation, how all of these uh, episodes, episodes one up until now, this will be episode six, have all kind of intertwined and had a, a common thread that falls throughout them. Uh, so that's one of the benefits of having these broad topics. So, like I said, we'll, we'll definitely revisit a lot of these topics and, and go more specific into different aspects of them as time goes on. But my closing remarks will go like this. It is not impossible to turn opposition into opportunity. One of the keys that you will have to do is to, you know, recognize your opposition. And it, it, it goes back into things we said before. Define yourself. Define your intentions. Define your opposition before. You know that it's going to come. Don't be naive and think that you're not going to get opposition. Beware of no opposition. If you run into a situation and there is no opposition in that situation, be cautious. Because opposition comes at every turn, especially when you're doing good. And don't think that everybody that's giving you criticism is necessarily opposed to you and that it's necessarily being hostile. A 
lot of opposition can be helpful and we look at it in terms of crit uh, constructive criticism. So decipher your opposition once you've defined it, sift through that criticism, take it for what it is and be effective when you're communicating, you know, the acceptance of it and the, the addressing of the criticism and the opposition when it comes your way so that you can in turn move that opposition and turn it, define that opposition and make it act in that desired manner so that it becomes opportunity. And don't be the one that misses out because you're thinking that everybody's being a hater and they're being opposed to you and only you. Because then somebody can intercept that, that opposition, embrace it, take it, and now they've taken your opportunity and now you're sitting there with the face. And we know what face that is. Well, we thank you all for listening as usual. Stay tuned to the after show because we're gonna get we're gonna get into it. Um, but make sure you're following us on all our social media at Bredrepod. That's B R E A D R E N P O D, and follow all of us on our respective web presences, web domains: DestrianWellsConsulting.com, AjamuLoving.com, and MMBBGW.com. And uh, on behalf of us at the Bredrepod Podcast, we thank you all for listening. We love you all, and thank you for your feedback. Stay tuned to the after show.